Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Making Learning Special, where we discuss everything from parenting strategies to early childhood development, all the way to the realities of parenthood. I'm your host, Madonna Lazo-Smith, and with me is my husband and co-host, Zach Smith, and we are on episode number 24. And Today, we're going to talk about common questions about teaching your baby sign language. So um, before I go into that, I'm a pediatric speech-language pathologist, and I've worked with families and kids varying in different diagnoses, just like um, hearing loss and the um, deaf community is part of where I was in early intervention. And um, even though I'm not fluent in sign language, I definitely use it in my practice and I use it in my personal life as well and with ACE and with Zach too. So I'm, again, not a fluent sign, um, sign interpreter or anything like that, but I have worked with a lot of deaf and hard of hearing teachers and um, it's a beautiful language overall. So it's just like learning another language. It's not a, it's not spoken language, but it is just a different form. I have a question for you before we even dive into this. Do you know who invented sign language? No. <laughs> I just I just looked it up. I was just curious why you why you're putting that introduction. I just looked it up. And, and because there's different this. sign languages in the world. Yes. You know Yes, there is. So I was just actually looking it up and it says the first person credited with creation of formal sign language for hearing impaired was Pedro Ponce de Leon, a 16th century Spanish Benedictine monk. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You're right, though. There was probably other people who had some form of, you know, sign because obviously there are deaf people all around the world, right? Not just in Spain or whatever it may be. I was wondering if you if you kind of knew if that's something that they taught you, because I've actually I'm actually, you know, I'm curious, like everything derived from a singular language you know, through, through the species like and Latin as is people a, change. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And as people change geographical locations, Spanish. they started to become their own thing kind of deal. Right. And then they had to develop their own language and all that good stuff. So I'll just, I'll just wondering. Uh, so I guess fun little fact there, but it does say that his idea to use sign language was not completely a new idea, which obviously makes sense because we don't know who the heck people did need to first. learn how to communicate. I always say right. as a speech language pathologist, because I will tell you too, that working with families who have kids who are, um, who are deaf or hard of hearing, not all of them use sign language. There's some people who don't use sign language and there is actually a certain practice where um, it's called LSL, listening, um, listening, um, listening, speaking. I already, I blanked out for a quick second. Listening, speaking, and listening, because listening is twice as important as speaking. (laughs) That's wrong. I'm I'm obviously joking, everybody. Do not listen to me. (laughs) Learning spoke, um, oh my goodness, how am I blanking out? Now I'm going to look it up. Anyways, LSL is um, where they don't use sign language. And that actually, I know, I know where that for the most part is created from. And that is from um, Alexander Grant Bell, who invented the telephone. Listening, listening and spoken language. There. Oh my gosh. Everybody listen to me. I am the expert now. Look at me. <laughs> shush, shush, shush. I had a brain fart, guys. Now. Anyways, listening and spoken language is um, one for some families. They don't really necessarily um, use sign language and they decide to go that route, for example. And I was going with um, with the who invented it, basically. But Alexander um, Bell Grant, who invented the telephone, his mm-hmm. wife was actually deaf. So he created mm-hmm. the system so she can um, she can learn spoken language for the most part, I guess you could say. So what, wait, so she's deaf. Why would he have a telephone? <laughs> partly to kind of help too. Hold up. Actually, yeah. 
So there's Hold a whole history a behind this. <laughs> and actually, um, the deaf community, capital D, there's the deaf community. And I, this goes for a different episode, but it differs from the hearing community and how um, for the deaf community, sign language, ASL in Amer American Sign Language here in America is their main form of communication. Um, and baby sign language, kind of, it derives from ASL, but can, um, it's, it's baby sign language, right? Approximations and mm -hmm. you're not using ASL. So I want you guys to know that um, American Sign Language and any sign language is its own form of language. They have their own grammatical rules. And um, you learn it like you would learn like an, another language, but we use it in the popular culture is baby sign because it's so beneficial, beneficials. It's so beneficial for um, younger kiddos and even kids who may have, um, who might be delayed in speech and things like that to use sign language to help them bridge that gestural language with spoken language, basically. Perfect segue into some, some questions that I want to ask you in regards to teaching your kids sign language, right? So I'm going to just hop right into it as usual. Uh, number one is, so why should we teach our baby sign and what are the benefits? Yeah, and we've touched on this in other episodes, but let me just right. briefly go through them. That kids usually learn gestures before they use actual spoken words. So it's really beneficial for them in a way that they could communicate to us. It makes it more, uh, they have more of a voice early on in life rather than us guessing what do, what do they want? What do they need? It's easier to um, do your big motor movements as compared to your small motor movements in your mouth and copy these gestures it can decrease frustration is a huge one that we've talked about, especially with ACE, right? Um, as young as seven to eight months, he was signing to us, you know, he wanted milk, milk. or mm -hmm. um, he wanted more, for example. So they were able, um, kids are able to express some of their, their basic needs in that way. And another benefit for sign language is I use it as a speech language pathologist is if I know if a child is copying actions and they're ready to be able to copy a little bit more fine tuning with their um, hands and things like that, I would use sign language to help with their verbal language because gesture, um, gestures and signs is really a great bridge for that spoken language as well. And it gives them opportunities to communicate with you as they're building that spoken language. Cool, cool, cool. So that's a good explanation. Oh. I was going to say one more bonus. Bonus for why you're teaching your bonus. baby sign language is it really, at least for Ace, when, when I talk to him or when I need to get his attention, visually, if I need to get his attention and I'm on the phone, for example, I could just use mm. my signs and tell him wait, or right. I could tell him more. Um, or even if, a Zach, if Zach's sleeping and Ace can be a little loud or rowdy or loud, little rowdy, I, <laughs> I can I can sign to him and um, he knows exactly what I'm trying to tell him. Yeah, so kind of a little mm. extra bonus. That's actually that's actually a nice little tip though because you don't have to do the whole hold on a second, put your phone and put on mute. Hey, stop real quick and then put it unmute and to go back and do that little juggle game. You can literally tell him something without Wait, actually speaking, wait. but you're speaking yeah. to him. You know what I mean? So that's actually. That's actually a nice little bonus tip. So number two, when should I start? 
Great question. And you know what? Someone literally just asked me this on my TikTok. And this is a common question that parents ask. So this is a great one. When do you start teaching your baby signs? Well, when do you start teaching your baby language? Early on, um, there's no immediately, right? I would say immediately. Immediately. Yes. yes, yes. There's no wrong time. How come? Let me actually let me ask you this. Now, I know, obviously, I'm not the expert here. But when they say you should talk to your baby while he or she's in the womb, let's let him or her listen to music. Like, why would you actually not start like the moment they're born when people are doing this before they're even in on like, you know, out of the womb? I mean, it's it's just right. I mean, it just seems like common sense. If you think that if people say, oh, your baby can hear you while they're in the womb. So the mother will always talk to them, play music and all stuff like that. Why not start immediately when they're out of the womb? Then if you're doing it while they're still there as a fetus. Hey, I mean, well, I've, just... I've gotten asked the question too. like parents would say, uh, 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 what is it? Very educated parents who have their doctorate, who have the PhD say, oh, you know, our baby, we're not reading. Um, I'm not reading a book to our baby because they're, they're not understanding or um, understanding the words. Why would I read to them? Very, you know, well, and you would think, huh, but then that's the thing, okay, but that's I never the, thought that's, some... the, that's the thing about education. And that's what's actually, it's good that you're bringing that up because just because somebody's educated doesn't mean they're educated in child development, right? Just because they're educated doesn't mean that they're an expert in communication. Just because they're educated in whatever the heck it may be, it doesn't mean that they understand how to diagnose and treat a speech delay or something like that. So education doesn't mean, it, it all depends on the context. Education in one field versus another field that's completely different is useless, it's great in what it is that you're educated in, but if it's something that you're not, then it, it actually is worth noting that you need expert help. That's just the reality of it. And and you can't de- denying your kid expert help because you're too, uh, I don't know, we'll say egotistical to get help because you feel like you're educated. It's just entitlement. It's just entitlement. And that, all that's doing is hurting your child. So I wanted to throw that in there because there are a lot of people out there that I've heard from different stories and things that I've seen. Cause I see your TikTok, I see your Instagram and I see some of these questions and I see some of the responses. Some people say, and I see Instagram posts where some people are saying comments on other posts. And I'm just like, what is going on through this person's mind here? Like, why would you be so egotistical because you're educated quote unquote, right? That you're not willing to get help from somebody else. Who's an expert in that particular field when they fully expect somebody to reach out to them for their expertise in their field. It's just weird. It's just kind of weird to me. That's all. Side note, side note. Don't worry. I'll carry note. on. Just, just a little side note. Yeah, but well, just don't be you know, so egotistical, right? Get the help that your kid needs from an well, expert that actually the knows what they're is, talking it's, about. It's um, The thing is, you brought up a point that it's it's not common sense to some people because I do get those comments right. as well. Like, uh, I make I make a post like, you know, um, kids are communicating with you even before we know they're communicating. Um, listen to their right. sounds and listen to tune into what they are actually trying to tell you. And people would say, you know what? Um, some people would say, oh, I never really thought of it that way. Or there's the other side of it where people are like, well, that's common sense. But common sense varies so much. You don't know what's common sense right. to one person versus Versus another. So when can you start teaching your baby signs? As soon as possible, start today. There's no wrong time to do it. It's like learning another language. We could literally learn another language when we're older. It it really comes down to the consistency, the practice, and the exposure. Consistency mm-hmm. to practice and exposure, whatever language it is. And this goes with sign language as well. So I say that um, even though babies, when they are newborns, they can't really see that well. But um, what you're doing and showing them these signs is that you're building that consistency, even in yourself, to 
integrate these in your daily routine, right? So it's not like you're introducing it later on, but you've already gotten into a groove of this repetition, knowing when to use these signs because you're learning as well. So um, start as soon as possible, the earlier, the better, but there's no wrong time. If you're starting when your child is two, when your child is three, that's fine. But usually they've already built some language, spoken language in that, um, in that way. So if you want to add sign language as their second language, you can do it that way. Or if you want to use sign language for the purpose of them being able to have a voice early on, then start as soon as possible because it's not just for them it's also for you so you know what your child is communicating and so you are able to practice and learn how to use these and really um, have sign language as a part of your routines so that's my answer for that one this this reminds me of like, like the whole communicating with sign language before they're able to actually verb verbally express it do you remember remember what is this madonna what does this mean fruit fruit right fruit uh -huh. So for those of, of you that are listening and not seeing, <laughs> not seeing this fruit sign, the fruit sign language is when you, you know, you connect your thumb and your index finger and you raise up the other three fingers, like you're putting up like a, Hey, I'm okay. Sign. And then you put it next to your lips and then you kind of like wiggle it back and forth. Do you remember when ACE used to try to sign to us fruit and we didn't know what it meant? No, well, no, the thing is, but we're he was like, trying. Oh, no, he's signing fruit. Here you go. But when we looked back on videos when he was younger, we didn't know that he, he was, was already trying to signing communicate fruit. with that. He was trying to communicate that to us for three months. Yes. But guess what? We caught on to it three months after he was trying to sign it, but he didn't actually say fruits for even more months afterwards. Think of the frustration he would have been dealing with for X amount of months, eight months, I don't know, until he was actually able to verbally say it. So what he would do for those of you who are watching, he would make kind of the, he would make kind of the sign, but he would go because he didn't know how to say fruit. So he just went and use those three fingers against his mouth, his lips and just kind of that's what he would do. And he was saying fruits to us the whole time. We thought he was just being funny. Or like he was, signing that, it, he was signing it to us. So the thing with signs is similar to words where there's approximations. Your child, yes. their yes. motor movements, their mouth movements, even their fingers, everything. It's just developing. So even these signs can be approximations. A lot of times, if you guys see the video of this, is that the sign for more is when you have um, your like crab claws, right? And you're putting it mm -hmm. together. So kids, sometimes they have a fist and an open hand, and that's like their sign for more. Or sometimes they're, it looks like they're clapping, but they're requesting for more depending on context, right? Yes. So approximations, keeping that. A little, little bit of a guessing game, but you know what? A guessing game for one to three months is a lot better than a guessing game and frustration for eight to 10. You know what I mean? So no. It, and the reason why I brought that up is because uh what if he just relied on what if he just relied on doing that blah, 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 instead of just saying fruit, right? That leads into my next question, which is extremely important of a question for those of you listening right now. Listen in closely because Madonna gets this a lot, a lot. The question is, will sign language hinder my child from speaking? No, short answer. No. And I, there's outliers where I get these parents, um, especially on TikTok, where they're like, no, 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 my child prefers to sign instead of talking. And um, they just can't get, um, get over just signing and talking. So instead of talking. So my answer for this is no, sign language and 
um, any other language, because sign language goes into the same category as having a mm -hmm. second language, yes, does language. not hinder your child from, um, from speaking, in this case, sign language, right? It is actually a great bridge, like you've heard me say earlier, Sign language is a great bridge to spoken language. And what tends to happen and why parents think this is because children always, even adults and everybody, divert to what is easiest for them. If your child is able to sign more and get their needs met in that way, and it's easier for them at that time, they're going to sign it. But if um, usually through maturation, and kids often do this, is what I notice, is that they notice that their words are, um, and they've matured verbally, their words are able to get their needs met faster, that they tend to forget about signing as much and go back um, and go to speaking. So whatever is easiest for them at that moment, at that time, they're going to go back to and use that. And if they get reinforced, by by what they're communicating they're going to continue to do that make sense yep absolutely absolutely this leads into my last question here is how do i start and do you have any tips as to how i should go about it how to start this is great focus on some specific signs don't feel like you need to bombard yourself with a bunch of signs focus on the ones that are really um that you're going through every day I have 10 power signs that I like to share with parents oftentimes. And these ones are more of um, ones that they that kids can use throughout different parts of their routine activities. And I'll just go through them. And the great thing about this age and time that we're in is everything's online. And there's um, so many resources that even though I'm telling you this uh, and you guys can't see me signing it, you can totally look them up. Look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Look My 10 power signs. The first one is more. The next mm -hmm. one is all done. Next one is milk. Number four is eat. Number five is help. Number six is open. Number seven is, you know, mom or dad. I just put them in the same one, mom or dad. Mm -hmm. The eighth one is hurt. This is a really um, important one for mm -hmm. your child to tell you. And they can kind of put it where it hurts, you know, if their head hurts or their belly hurts. And stop is another good one. So these are more of the things that are um helpful for them early on and then uh, another fun one and the 10th one is play because our kiddos love to play and bonus one a bonus one number 11 is <laughs> fruit. Fruit. <laughs> fruit ball i could go on and on but we really um, can <laughs> if your if your kiddo is really into um balls that's a great sign to use if they're into bubbles figure out the sign for bubbles. So my um, my strategy that I would like to share with you guys is just using and focusing on certain ones and using them throughout the day when you can. So an example, a great example is that when your child is about to, when you're about to change your child's diaper and you're signing diaper, before you mm -hmm. change your child's diaper, sign diaper. And then, oh, I'm changing your diaper you're talking through um, the diaper. Now your diaper is clean. Your diaper is clean. And um, another one is during snack time because your kids eat, right? <laughs> Every day. So, mm -hmm. I um, think so practicing the sign more before you give them something, give them just a little bit and practice more and sign for more. Give them a little bit more so they get used to seeing the sign and you saying it. Um, for 
um, kids that you're trying to use sign language to help them with their verbal language, pair the signs with your verbal words is the main thing as well. Mm, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good tip. So instead of just signing it, say it so they can associate the word with the, the sign. Now they and now and you said sign language is a language as well as obviously speaking. So if they can understand the verbal word plus the sign language, that counts for two words technically, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you could say the same, if you could say hello in three languages, like as a baby, that's three separate words because that's three separate languages that you're able to comprehend that mean pretty much the same thing. They don't know what a synonym is, but that's for them. That's three different words. So that, that actually counts too. So that's a, yeah. that's a good there's one. Some they there's some technicalities in it, but. Um, All right. What's the technicalities? Yes. What, what are the technicalities? Keep it short. Keep it short. No, I can't keep it short in this episode. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but, okay. Um, there's a, um, well, to keep, let's keep it simple. Let's keep it simple then. Essentially, essentially it's separate words. Yeah. It's like saying okay. you're saying hola for Spanish versus hi. Um, yeah, English. that's two different words, yeah. one in each language. But so the, the tricky that thing is, time. that's why I'm saying it's technical, because the tricky thing is most people wave or like do, you know, what is it? Salute or wave when they say hello. Yeah. It's already associated with it. So you say the, salute people, salute people when they say hi. I, I don't know. Maybe. OK, in sign language, it's not right, next time. Ne salute, next time. Next time. When like, we're, next time when we're out and somebody says hi, I'm just going to be like salute. To OK, them, not man. salute. I, do you know what, what would you, you call? What would you call this? I can't. That, um, that's a that's a salute, man. Okay. <laughs> it's just not a hardcore military salute, but that's a well, salute. that's kind of like how you, you say, know, do you know, that's a different, I mean, we talked about that. We asked hi in sign language. You're just like. Yeah. Sure, I guess. I don't know. I don't do that, <laughs> but I guess you do. Do you know? And we brought up, a, you know, where did sign language come from? Do you know where the salute actually uh, stemmed from? No. So back in the days of like the, the old knights and kings and jesters and queens and all that stuff, what uh -huh. would happen is that was a that was a way for the knight to introduce who they were as a person because they'd come in with the big old metal, you know, metal uh, mask on and they would lift the visor up. OK. And it lets them know kind of like this is who I am. This is who I am. So that's but, kind of oh, where, okay. It's a lift your visor. So they like lift their visor, but now it's beca it's become a salute. But that's how they like, hey, hello, it is Sir Arthur or whatever the heck like that. They lift their visor up so that could be identified as who's under the armor. And that's where the salute kind of stemmed from, at least based on what I've seen in the past. If there's something different, somebody please let me know. But based on what I've seen, that's kind of how it came. There's all kinds of weird stuff. I've looked at the origin of so many things, and I know we're getting off topic here, but it's just, it's very interesting. Very interesting to me, kind of like the handshake, right? The handshake was kind of, it came from the same, I believe the same days where they would shake the other person's hand to let them know that, hello, I come in peace. I am unarmed that versus like sense. having your hand behind your back with a dagger or something crazy. You know what I mean? That's where like the handshake came. It came from, it came from you telling the other person that I'm, I'm come here in peace and I'm unarmed. Ah, and that just made me think, I'm all like, well, how about if you have something in the other hand, but when you shake someone's hand, the hand properly you use two hands, one hand to greet the other um, to greet the person and then you put your hand over that person's hand right yeah you can do that yeah. well the, the the correct way to greet i don't know now now that i'm just going away from my specialty so i don't even know this is just anyway. a random side chat man honestly there's a common there's a common theme in a lot of our episodes where I'm telling you guys that consistency, practice, and exposure is 
a, a big and a huge part of how your child learns. So this isn't any different when you want to teach your child sign language. Consistency, exposure, and practice. Okay, so um, that's it for our episode. We hope you guys got value from this. We do this because we want to give you guys all the tools and information to maximize your child's development. So remember, follow and subscribe to our channel and continue to share this information with your loved ones. If you have any questions or even any possible topics you'd like to, um, you'd like us to cover, you can find me on Making Learning Special on Instagram and on TikTok. So see you guys on our next episode.